Well, good morning, church. It is good to have you uh, here today. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 1 today as we go through our, our first stint in the book uh, this year. Last week, we started at the beginning of Romans chapter 1. Um, this week, I want to jump straight into our... Um, someone will check if it got unplugged on the way out that will be outstanding we'll we'll get this going in just a minute if it doesn't work i will just do awesome hand signals today and we'll be we'll be good to go that is good i'll let someone troubleshoot that for me over there for a little bit that's okay Um, we're going to start off starting in romans chapter 1 verse 18 today as we get started and we get rolling today Um, what the bible says in romans chapter 1 verse 18 is this and this is where this is kind of the pivotal verse we like to to follow the rest of this chapter we'll go through the rest of chapter 1 today and we love looking at those things but as we do that today what i want you to know is it's dependent on romans chapter 1 thank you guys it's kicking on Um, Romans chapter 1 verse 18 and here's what it says this will take a second to get right and you'll you'll forgive me Um, since it's you know family day I drew a picture for y'all and I'm I'm infamous I think for my picture drawing not famous uh, as we do those things um, throughout the day y'all it's going to be that kind of day preaching I apologize if you're visiting with us welcome to First Baptist Um, this is how we do things sometimes and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but in, in the middle of all of this stuff, we have Romans chapter one, verse 18. And if we get to this, it'll be great. And if we don't, it'll be okay. But listen to this passage with me. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all righteousness of men who by their, who by their, now check that out, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. I don't know what brought you to church today, but let me let you know something very clearly in the, in the big scheme of this. We do not serve a God who is just waiting and anticipating destroying you. He's not hoping that you make a mistake and fall down. He is not um, believing that, man, just one day you'll finally get your comeuppance and he can really show you what he thinks of you. I think a lot of things in our world picture God either one as an, as an idiot, as if he doesn't have anything to say or do, or two, as this kind of mean deity that can't wait to destroy us. But what Romans chapter one, verse 18 does is it puts a wall up against that completely. It really tears it apart because what Romans chapter one, verse 18 says is that God shows his wrath. He makes it evident. He makes it known. It's revealed against unrighteousness and against the unfaithfulness, the ungodliness of men. You see, God created you and I different. We are not the same as a tree. We're not the same as a flower. We're not the same um, as a cat. If you're a cat person, that's okay. Some of you are going to heaven. We know it. You know, it's not the same as a dog. You are special. You are different. God set you and I apart in creation. And, and here's the kind of the twist in, in that. 
So when scripture says in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed against, uh, from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men, what, what it's saying is you need to know because you are special, when you and I embrace the rejection of God and a right relationship with God, then through our sin, we are warping who God is in our own mind and as a witness to others. I really think that's why the church in Revelation has so many disciplinary moments at the beginning. Because not only are we um, different, we're accountable differently. And so as we read Romans chapter 18, there's some real truths about relationships and homosexuality and sin, that's all in there. But here's what I wanna invite you to do. Do not make this passage for someone that you wish was here to hurt it today. You follow me? Don't do that. If God left it in the scripture all of this time, I promise it wasn't only for your friend, Sammy or Stevie or whatever. And so in this, what I wanna talk about is what happens when we realize at some moment in our life that God is unmovable, but we are not because I think that realization has to come into our mind you know we don't live this was discovered years ago we don't live on a planet that the universe revolves around we are just a piece of this cosmic picture I want you to know you and I are not just this picture that God is just swirling around, aware of you and wanting to please you at every moment. God isn't circling around you and one day you'll come into alignment because he'll get it right. But quite the opposite. God is unmovable, but we are not. And we prove it time and time again, almost like the current in the ocean. I don't know if you've ever been out into the water or whatnot. I was reading an article uh, last month uh, about a lady walking on the beach in Ireland, okay? And you can Google it to say, is pastor making stuff like this up? It's a fantastic story. Walking on the beach in Ireland. And as she's out for her daily walk, she sees a bottle on the beach. And as she walks closer to it, she looks, there's a plastics bag with a piece of paper inside. And she said, I knew right then someone had put a message in a bottle and it had washed up because she'd done it before or whatnot and as the story goes. And so she went home and opened it. That's how you know a man didn't find it because a man's like, just break the bottle. Let's get this thing looking, you know. Went home and she opened it and she, she pulled it over, open. And it was a letter from a young man who was on a fishing boat off the coast of Nova Scotia, Canada, about seven hours from Maine. And in 18 months, it traveled 2,800 miles and landed on the coast of Ireland. You're like, sometimes, that's like pen pal old school style. And you just think that's pretty amazing. We think about how the current works. If we know the current of water works that way, causing a drift 2,800 miles in 18 months, how far away from the Lord God Almighty do you think the current of sin can cause you to drift over 18 
35, 62 years. Enormously far. Unbelievably, unimaginably far. And, and Romans takes that picture of how this movable God always makes a way back for him. So we won't stop here. But today, what I want you and I to do is I just wanna take a few minutes and talk about how sin works and how it causes this drift from God because he did not create us for destruction for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness, unrighteousness of those who practice it. It wasn't that we were made for that. So how does the drift of sin works? Well, first of all, it starts off that we have a God in our world who is just and good and kind. How do I know? Open your Bible, Romans chapter one, verse 19. Now check this out. This is what it says. For what can be known about God is plain to them. God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. I mean, here's the beautiful thing. When I was trying to do this, let's see if I can make this happen today. I kind of drew a picture. Kids, this is, this is for you right here. I just thought if this is the Lord and this mountain is what I thought about with God, mountains are unmovable, they are, they are fixed without the power of God. If, if this is the Lord, he has made us for this place to know him, to know more about him, to know everything about him. But what this scripture says is what God has done is he has made himself available to you and me. Like, that's what this whole thing is about. That God did this, you didn't ask for it, I didn't ask for it. That the one who created you, he has chosen to make himself known so that you can know him. You know, I, I think as we get caught up in this big picture, we have to start to say, what does that even mean that God wants us to know him? Do you not know have you not heard that heaven will be so good because you will know each moment, each day, clearly, not dimly, more and more the eternal God whom the deeper you go, the richer the relationship gets. Like knowing God is what you were made for, not destruction. And the beauty of it is, is God says this, is I'm kind of this amazing, incredible creator, creator, kings of kings and Lord of lords. And I am making myself known. Verse 19, and I'm gonna do it in a way that is plain. Church, God did not create some puzzle that only the brilliant figure out, which means no one else is responsible for their sin. This is critical in understanding God's discipline and his wrath on those who are sinners and rejecting him and on discipline on his people who reject him at times. Is that we are accountable because a God who loves us chose to make himself plain. I mean, we're talking cottage cheese, no flavor kind of stuff. I mean, just make himself easy to understand manifest obvious 
In fact, what scripture says, what he makes plain is what was invisible to us and what was out of our understanding. This is what he makes known to us. His invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, and what you and I could never in our whole life understand, figure out, be good enough to know, he chose to say to all mankind, let me show you who I am. Have you ever thought about the Lord that way? See, when we often reject God, it's easy to reject him because we aren't looking at him right in the mirror right then. It's like, Lord, you know, it would just be easier if I could physically see you right here. What Romans chapter 19 and 20 says is, I am, and you see the evidence of me right there and you still reject me. You still fall against me. You still turn away from me. And it is why we are guilty because God has made himself available, not to the problem solvers, not to the popes, not to the priests, not to the pastors, but to all mankind. He has made who he is, where you were made for and what you could belong to obvious. But yet this unmovable God who makes himself unmissable by his choice has also given you by his grace and his goodness a choice in this as well. I I thought about it that, you know, I I don't know that you and I are some bottle that some dude threw over. God didn't pitch us into the water. But I started thinking of the story of Jonah. Instead of repenting and turning to God or trying to know the Lord's will better, he just assumed he knew what he want, God wanted and, and Jonah wanted no part in it. And so he jumps out of the boat. Instead of leaning into God to know him more, which is what he was made for, he chooses something different. In your Bible, it says all of a sudden we go from God knowing God to they knew God. It's past tense. Look in your Bible in verse 21. Verse 21, we'll read all the way down. Um, We'll just start through verse 23 as we begin. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and foolish in their hearts because they were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Now, here's what I want you to know. God made it possible for us to know him, but you and I, A and B, words I don't write often, we're toast with, but we abandon him. God doesn't abandon us. He didn't walk away from us. Remember, as we started our journey, God made himself available to us. But what scripture says is that you and I make a choice and that choice is to abandon him. And how do we do that? Through unrighteousness and ungodliness. What is unrighteousness and ungodliness? This is it very plain and very simply. It's the things that are not of God and the things that are not right with God. What the scripture says is this, is that you and I start drifting from the Lord and from his plan for us when we abandon him and choose sin in its place. God did not throw you and I away into a world of sin. You and I have jumped shipped fully, gladly, and joyfully 
because we have chosen not to know God as God. And let me tell you what happens when this drift occurs, when we go from being available, God making himself available to be known and we make it past tense, God, I knew you, but my eyes are on something else. This is what your life starts looking like. It's just this twisty, don't know where to go kind of thing. Decisions start to become harder. Which one's the right decision is the black decision. It starts fixing back and forth. The world is gray. The bad guys, they can be good. The good guys, they can be bad. I can make wrong right and right wrong. We can start pouring that thought and mindset down through everything that we do. And you might say, but pastor, I have never abandoned God. Well, it's a lot easier than you might think. See, you abandon seeing God as God when you desire that making a little bit extra is more important than what he's called you to do and the way he's called you to spend your time with him. See, you and I jump ship, we abandon God and we begin to drift when we are building decisions based on stuff we want and dreams we desire and we invite God along for the ride. In other words, we ask God to abandon himself to join us in our abandonment of what is right and good with him. We abandon God. We go to past tense talking about God when you and I desire to follow something based on how it makes us feel or how it makes us think. We abandon God when we say, God, I've given all my energy to all these other things today. I have no energy for you. Thanks for understanding. Let me watch whatever I want on TV because quite honestly, I just need some time for me. Who do we abandon God for? Me, us, you. Here's a secret you should never have been told in Sunday school. The devil didn't make you do it. Verse 18 does not say, for the wrath of God is revealed against the devil and all of those he made suppress the truth. What scripture says is this, the wrath of God is poured out against all of those through unrighteousness, through ungodliness, have suppressed what is true, what is real about God. And when we do this, when we abandon God in this big picture, all of a sudden this truth suppressing starts being played out in our actions. They do not honor him. They do not give thanks to him. They become futile in their thinking, foolish in their hearts, claiming to be wise. They became Fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images of created thing. There's two things that we give up in abandonment of God. It's the exchange. What do you give glory to? What's your life about? 
what your life is about is what you give glory to. If it is not the Lord, then you have abandoned him for something the world says, no one can blame you for that. To something the world would say, that makes perfect sense. Any good God would understand. When you and I abandon God and we abandon him for him, for us, what we are saying is we are abandoning the almighty king because we want the glory to be found in the junk, the stuff of creation. The images of created things is not our whole entertainment industry built around creature worship. It's built on abandonment. And the more you watch TV shows, I remember reading an article about some Disney TV shows the other day and, and we, we watched Disney growing up, but you could see the culture leading. Long ago, parents were important. Then one parent was important. Then parents became goobers who didn't know anything and the kids were wise. And then the parents are absent. Do you see the drift? Long, long ago, during the good old days, God was already out of the picture and he was just little sprinkles into TV shows that we liked. When you and I abandon God and this drift begins, what I want you to know is you wanna see the telltale sign of it? What is your life giving glory to outside of this hour and 15 minutes? But there's another thing we exchange. What else we exchange is truth. That's what scripture says if you go down to verse 27 or 24. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to the impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Because they, not God, not the devil, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is the truth forever. Amen. Church, this drift of sin is an abandonment of God making himself visible and a pursuit of a new truth and a different glory. And what God says is, I will let you ride this raft. Do you wanna know the consequences of abandoning what is good? Well, then I'll turn you over to it. This is how we know God is unmovable. Because when you and I jump ship in sin, he doesn't need us, he just wants us. And he is not willing to abandon himself for you. Because if the rock doesn't stand, then there is nowhere to return to. If the rock is movable, then there really is no rock. See, God can't abandon himself for you because he is. He cannot deny the truth because he is the truth. What causes you and I to abandon the truth of God 
Verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their heart. The word lust means craving or appetite. In other words, God gave them what they were craving. Cheap imitations of the Almighty. And he will not pretend with us because his glory and the real truth that he is, is worth it all. As we walk into this next part and we start thinking about what, what does this look like? And this next passage is very descriptive, but I want you to know it's not meant to be comprehensive. So let's read together as we go a little bit further. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Women for, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were consumed. They were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless act with men and receiving in themselves the, new, the due penalty for their error. Here's what God says is, you can have your fake glory. You can have your fake truth. And I will show you what it is. And he gives a very clear example here, but it's not the only one. It's, it's direct, it's real, it is true. It, listen, when we give away a right relationship between man and woman, between man and man, and it goes to woman and woman or in the Old Testament to other things even, that is the fruit of, it's the marking of sin. But that's not all. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter six says it this way, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, the unrighteous, they will not go home. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkens, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That list is a little bit more thick, isn't it? If you're chasing greed, then you have abandoned the glory and the truth of God and you're on this raft with everybody else you're pointing fingers at. If you've embraced drunkenness, this is who I am, this is what I'm gonna be, sexually immoral. Like, what scripture says is that the unrighteous have abandoned God, embraced these things. It doesn't say that they have fallen and repented and God is making them new and whole. But I just wanna be very careful that the list that you and I engage in when we abandon God isn't a, well, I don't see this one thing in my life, so I must be better off than they are. No, the reality is this. When we abandon the truth and the glory of God, then our life starts to get twisted. And we're the cause because we are seeking a different glory and we are wanting a new truth. But that's not all that happens here. If you look in your Bible, look at verse 28. For this reason, God gave them, excuse me, sorry, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to a debased mind for what to do what ought not be done. 
Now this list is great. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, of evil, of covetousness, of malice. They are full of envy. They are full of murder. They are full of strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossipers. They are slanderers. They are haters of God. They are insolent. They are haughty. They are boastful. They are inventors of evil disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Listen, on this journey that we're on, once you get kind of past the twists and turns of one section, what we really start to see is, is that when you and I cease to acknowledge God completely, then we start living a life avoiding him. We no longer are able to think Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, holy, uh, excellent, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. That's what you and I were, were made for. That is what Christ died for so that we could think and have that mind of Christ in us, that mind that dwells on the things of God, honorable, pure, just, lovely, commendable, excellent. But when you and I in sin drift from the king, we abandon him in a search for new truth and we choose no longer because our mind is warped by the sin we created. We choose to avoid him. And all of a sudden, our thoughts. See, there are physical markers of sin in our life but there's mental and emotional markers of sin. What entertains you? What things do you just like to sit and consume while you relax? What brings you pleasure? A show on the TV, YouTube, the thoughts in your mind, the books you read, the games you play. Are they filled with all number of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice? Are they full of envy, murder, strife, deceit? Are they malicious? Do you like sharing truths that aren't yours to share? Are you boastful, angry, disobedient to your parents? Do you value yourself foolish, faithless, heartless? You see, sometimes we can run through Romans chapter one and make it all about somebody else, can't we? but all of a sudden we realize that we have drifted from God because our mind delights in the things that keep us avoiding God. They find relaxation in the things that he's not a part of, unworthy things. Our culture is twisted and sin has brought us on that journey and we chose it. But the question is really comes down to this. 
when the Lord reveals to you and I that we have drifted from who God has called us to be and shown us who he is in search for a different truth and a different glory. And all of a sudden we are delighting in things that do not acknowledge him, but that elevate creation. What emotions do you feel? Is it God's fault? Are you mad at him? He didn't move. We just jumped on the boat and all of a sudden, I love that the twisting of the world follows the twisting of our culture. Because I'm telling you, when we are avoiding God, we become narrow-minded. How do I know that? Because God has made himself very plain. So when we are stuck in sin, we put on our blinders, we look for people who will say what we say, think what we think, not challenge what we won't challenge, love what we love, encourage what we encourage, say what we say, all in rebellion against the narrow-minded people whom God has removed the blinders from so that we can see the big picture. You see, it's narrow-minded to think that truth isn't truth and what is worthy of glory isn't worthy of glory. It's narrow-minded to make up some thought and to worship it and it takes effort to do so. And so because God has made himself known and available and because sin causes us to drift from God, to make knowing him past tense, to make acknowledging him not a piece of our day, then we're accountable. Look in verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice him. See, this, this river kind of leads us somewhere. And I would say somehow, somewhere, we end up on the island of misfits who think they've been rejected but instead are just there to keep each one another encouraged so that their knowing of him doesn't ever feel like an action that needs accountability. That's what scripture says. God has made himself plain. In sin, we have made knowing him past tense and started to avoid who he is. And so now God has said, I will give you over to what you know. And in sin, you will be tempted to give approval over and over and over to this. But somehow in our search for truth and glory and righteousness, we travel a long distance from what is really true, what is really holy, what is really righteous. Church, this morning as you have read and walked through Romans chapter one, here's what I want you to know. The good news is that the wrath of God in Romans chapter one, the wrath of God is poured out against or is revealed against 
those who are ungodly, unrighteous, and through their actions suppressing what is true. What is true? That there is a creator, a king of kings and of Lord of lords. And he has chosen to love you and me. And because he loves us, he has made, made himself plain all over the place from the stars in the sky to the grass on the ground. He's made himself plain in the, the complexities of science and creation. But he's made himself obvious by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to do what you could not do. Cling to the truth because he is the truth and because he is the truth he is the way God has even made that plain so I don't know where you are I don't know how far you've drifted but I'll tell you this whether you have a right relationship with God or whether you are at the farthest point, all have drifted and fallen short of the glory of God. The saint who asked you at a church today, the woman who prays with you and just seems to know that there's a need, even they had drifted. First John chapter one, verse nine gives us a sneak peek of the truth that's historically obvious. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful. Why? Because he's unmovable. He can't not be faithful. And he's just to forgive, to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. the God whom you have abandoned is still faithful to make himself plain to you. So you don't have to live on this island. It's not of misfits. It's of unrighteousness and ungodliness. And if you confess and believe and he is faithful to bring you home. And that is the beginning of our story. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, the truth of all truths and the name above all names, it doesn't make sense because it's too good, it's too gracious, it's too loving, it's too kind. Lord, as far as I would look on the face of the earth, I could tell you that it doesn't exist in creation. And I know that is the point because you are better than creation. You're better than the brightest star, the most passionate woman, the most keen man and the most joyful child. So Father, today, 
I just pray that you would stoke our minds and our hearts. Lord, if there are any in this room that have drifted from you, maybe they've been drifting their entire life. And today you have chosen to make plain once again what their life had twisted and what their mind had narrowed. Lord, reveal yourself and allow them to confess, God, I have twisted it all up, chasing a truth that is a lie and glory that is shame. Lord, would you ask them and let them invite you through confession to forgive them so that they may walk with you in life. In Jesus' name, amen.